Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Christmas is over, Lent begins in just one month, and right now we find ourselves in the season of ordinary time. However, this isn't any ordinary, ordinary time. Traditionally in the Catholic Church, this time is known as carnival season. But what exactly is carnival season and what does it have to do with the liturgical year? On the podcast today, I interview my dear friend and Louisiana native, Mallory Smythe, on the Catholic roots of carnival and how we can use it as a time to prepare for Lent. You won't want to miss it, so stay right here. Monday, everybody. It's Lisa and just Lisa because we are finally having a guest on the podcast. I know we told you at the beginning of season three we had some great, great guests lined up, and we do, but we learned that during like Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, everybody's just so busy. So we are finally having our first guest on the show, and I'm very excited about this guest. She is a Long time, dear friend of mine. I don't know if long time's quite the right word. I feel like it's been a long time because... It's been over a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about that. So if you consider a year a long time, it's been a long time. I guess because we get to spend so much time together, it feels like even longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, on the show today is Mallory Smythe. The dear Mallory Smythe. So Mallory is... Well, okay. Mallory and her husband, they're kind of all over the ministry scene. So her husband, Jared has been working for focus how many years now 12 oh my gosh so you beat us by a year then in terms of like yeah length because we're 11 year 11th year okay and jared's 12th year i think that's right yeah of course i kind of tell people he's 13 just because i always embellish by a year on accident so many people (laughs) think that it's been 13 but it's 12 you're at a dozen right now (laughs) Okay, fantastic. So I've known Jared for a long time. Maybe that's why. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> which, which knowing Jared for any length of time feels like a long time. <laughs> He's, so. He, Jared is a hoot. He is so much fun. Okay, so Mallory worked for Focus for a long time, but now she works for Endow, which we'll talk about a little bit later mm-hmm. exactly what mm-hmm. Endow is, a great apostolate ministry for women. And she has her own, Mallory has her own apostolate called Inheritance, mm-hmm. which I know you've been working on building up. She's a mama to two. In fact, with us in the, quote, studio, which is my basement, um, we have Eliza with us today. How many months now? She's three. Oh, three months. Yeah, yes. so she's hanging out with me. She's hanging um, out. Won't be experiencing what we're going to be talking about, but maybe next year. Maybe next year. You can bring her down. Yes. Yes. So, so great. So if you hear some baby noises, yes, there's a baby in the room. No, it's not my baby. It's Mallory's baby. So glad she's here. And another fun thing about Mallory is that for the last year, Mm -hmm. I have been Mallory's mentor, if you can call it that. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely call it that. It's been a lot of fun. So Mm -hmm. we get together about once a month, talk about life, talk about ministry, all of those fun things. And as Mallory has been working on building up her speaking, um, as God's just been opening doors, which is so fun, we've been able to do some events together. And one event that I want to invite you all to is the upcoming Focus Greek Conferences. They're called the Legacy Conferences. We just did our SLS conference, and now in February, there's two specific conferences just for Greek students. One is in Kansas City, and one is in Atlanta. So you should check those out if you 
are a Greek student or know of a Greek student, please pass those on. Mallory and I will both be there speaking. You're at both conferences, right? I am. Yes. We yeah, will both it's going to be, be awesome. Conferences. Yes. It's going to be fantastic. So we could just spend a lot of time together, and it's just great. <laughs> so why is Mallory on the show today? Yes. You're wondering. I know. Let me tell you. Okay. So we just finished Christmas season, and now we are back to ordinary time. But... In just a few weeks. In fact, like in a month. It's pretty much a month. Mm-hmm. Lent is going to start. Now, it's ordinary time, but there's a historical piece that's interesting about this little season of in-between here. This little bit of Lent between, not Lent, ordinary time between Christmas and Lent. And traditionally, it's called carnival season. And this is something that we've kind of lost in the church. Something that we don't really uh, live out or talk about very much anymore. But carnival season is what we kind of call this ordinary time here. And it leads up to Mardi Gras, which most of us are familiar with Mardi Gras. Or you could call it that Tuesday. You could call it Shrove Tuesday. And when we think of Mardi Gras, we often think of places like Brazil. It's really big in Rio, Venice, Italy, and down in Louisiana. And what these things have in common is they're all very traditionally Catholic places, which is why Mardi Gras is is so big there and there's a reason for that which we're going to kind of get to so the reason that we have Mallory on the show today is because Mallory is much more of a Mardi Gras expert than I am because she grew up in Louisiana correct yes yes so she's going to give us a little bit of inside scoop about Mardi Gras so why does carnival Mardi Gras what does it mean for Catholics okay so that's the first thing we want to talk about here because I'm a liturgical nerd so I get really excited about the ebbs and flows of the liturgical season and the liturgical year so if there's something going on that's unique, I want to know about it. So that's, that's why Mallory's on the show. Okay, so Mallory, tell me a little bit here. What are the Catholic roots of this carnival season that leads up to Mardi Gras? So traditionally, uh, well, Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday, and carnival comes from carnivale, which means meat farewell. And so it starts in Europe, and basically you have Lent coming up. It's an intense time of fasting. Uh, we were just talking about how it's really not that intense anymore, but it used to be very intense. And there were no refrigerators. So everybody would get together to get rid of everything they couldn't eat during Lent. And so they would get, get together. Um, eventually it kind of turned into a celebration, but they were eating their milk, their eggs, and their meat because those are the things that would spoil during the time of, of Lent. And so that's kind of where it started. It started in Europe. And then it kind of moved into more of a formal celebration. And Lisa, I know you and I were just talking about this earlier, but I thought it was really cool being from Louisiana to learn that Mardi Gras masks also have a Catholic root. So if you go down to Louisiana during carnival season, you're going to see everybody wearing masks. And if somebody goes to Europe, they're probably going to bring you back a mask if they go to Venice. They're really beautiful. As Carnivale, like getting rid of your meat, turned into Carnival, which was more of a celebration, all of the classes wore masks. So like if you're upper class, lower class, you didn't associate with each other. But when you would come together for these, these balls or these masquerades, everybody would wear masks so that everybody could celebrate together. And so that would be what they would do up to um, Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras where that was the last day you could get rid of your meat before Ash Wednesday. And then on Ash Wednesday, that's whenever it got real. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's kind of like this season where people celebrated a little bit because mm-hmm. traditionally, too, like Advent, and we've talked about this probably in the Advent podcast, Advent was very much like a season of of fasting and preparing, right? Mm-hmm. It's really not as much anymore. It's... We don't really think of it that way. We think of like lighting candles now, right? Which is great. But it used to be more of a season of fasting. And so you'd go from 
Advent and then you'd have Christmas season where you'd celebrate and then you just have like a few short weeks before you go back to fasting. <laughs> and so, so it's kind of like for Catholics, it was like, it's now or never, like we got to live it up. We could eat meat. <laughs> like now's the time. Um, and so, and so this kind of tradition kind of sprang out of it, this, this season of kind of celebrating. So there's so much that we could go into here when it comes to the Catholic roots. Um, I love the piece about the masks. I did not know about that. Um, well, and, and something else, just as, I, as I'm thinking and we're talking. So in the new world, which is when I was like kind of looking into this, it talked about the new world, which is us. It, it also took on an African um, like flavor. And so that's where the parades come from. Oh. And so Rio, de, Rio really went into the masks um, and, the, and the masquerades and the dances. And if you go down to Louisiana now, you can go to the parades. But every single parade has a ton of celebration that goes behind it. And so that would be all the masquerades. But then the parades actually come from like the African part of it, So, which I thought was really neat. Oh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it used to be really anywhere in the world where there was a strong Catholic presence, there was like uh, this season of carnival was celebrated in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And as we've become more and more secular, there's only certain areas that kind of have still clung to it. And obviously it's become very secular in the way that we celebrate (laughs) it now. But the roots really come from from this season of heading up to Lent. Um, So, yeah, so some other names um, for... This day is Pancake Tuesday, our Pancake Day. Which I just think is hilarious. It's uh, It just sounds so American. Like you said, let's, oh, let's yeah. go to IHOP. It's Pancake Tuesday. Yeah, it's Pancake Day. Yeah, so IHOP on, on Mardi Gras, most people don't realize, like, it's because tomorrow's Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But the reason pancakes became so popular, or a form of pancake, and this is really in any, you know, any Catholic culture, they would make, like, a pancake on the day before because that includes a lot of the ingredients that you had to fast from. So it includes eggs and dairy and fats, like all that stuff had to be eaten up before they began. And so it became traditional to mm-hmm. eat pancakes mm-hmm. on that day. So that's why if you're wondering, oh, why is it Pancake Tuesday? Next time you see that coming up for IHOP, there's a Catholic root based in that tradition, which is fun. And another word for our name, I guess, is Shrove Tuesday is another way that we... Um, might hear Mardi Gras called Shrove Tuesday. Do you want to talk a little bit about what is Shrove Tuesday? Yeah, so Shrove Tuesday, the idea behind it, which also was a surprise to me. So when I was little, I was told that Mardi Gras was whenever Catholics got all of their sinning out, <laughs> which is <laughs> which kind is, of not the way it's supposed to be right, done. <laughs> right. That's not the exact wording of it. But I mean, if you look at it now, that's exactly what it is, except they probably don't quit sinning quite as yeah, much on Ash Wednesday. Like, it's like they get it out right. and they don't sin again. But that's like, I remember my mom saying, uh, or somebody telling me, you know, this is when you get all your sinning out because then we have Lent. But what Shrove Tuesday actually means is that you get rid of your sin before you go into Lent, which is actually a much more appropriate and beautiful meaning. It's Confession Tuesday. Everybody would go to confession to rid themselves of sin instead of just sin a bunch because we're about to go through a season of repentance. Or we're not supposed to sin. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. So there's, I mean, there's just, there's so much here in so many different traditions in different places throughout the world that it's almost hard to like rein it all in because <laughs> there's so much we could talk about. But the point we're really trying to drive home here. <laughs> is that this whole season of carnival is rooted in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. It's rooted in our preparation. It's almost like a preparation to prepare. Like we're preparing to prepare Yeah, for I think, Easter. I think that's exactly. And and kind of you talking about there's just so much to it. It's really a call to celebrate our 
celebrate life. Like if you go down to Louisiana, um, if you've ever been part of a Mardi Gras celebration that actually was wholesome, it's really a call just for us to celebrate life as we go in to really contemplate death. And it, that's just like what I love about anything that has a Catholic root is that it is a call to the human person first to celebrate and then to go into gratitude. And so to thank the Lord for what he's given us. Fantastic. All right. I think this is a good time to do our mid-show break here. Shift gears here. We're going to do our saint quote to live by today. And I asked Mallory. I put her on the spot when she got to my house today. I said, Mallory, what's one of your favorite quotes? And she pulled out one of my favorite quotes by, well, he's a venerable. He's not a saint yet. He should be a saint soon, though. He will be. He's going to make it. Our, our man, Fulton Sheen. Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen. This is what he has to say. It's a long one, so listen up. To a great extent, the level of any civilization is the level of its womanhood. When a man loves a woman, he has to become worthy of her. The higher her virtue, the more noble her character. The more devoted she is to truth, justice, and goodness. The more a man has to aspire to be worthy of her. The history of civilization could actually be written in terms of the level of its women. Oh, so good. It's amazing. So why do you love that quote so much? Well, the first time I read it, it's just so true. And that's, and that's what we see in culture today. I mean, obviously, we want men and women to be, to be aspiring to virtue. But when a woman does it, I hear so many stories about women just causing men to step up by, because they're virtuous. Um, and I can actually think of a specific one that I won't go into where... Uh, this uh, a really good friend of mine met a woman who was living a life of virtue that he was almost unwilling to live and he told me about it she did not step down they're married <laughs> that's awesome like he like he stepped up even though he didn't want to he admitted he did not want to because she just wouldn't step down and i think if we had a culture of women who knew our true dignity which goes a little bit into endow, but if we knew who we really were and we trusted that if we stuck our ground that men would rise to the occasion, we would just see culture go a really different way than it is right now. That's so beautiful. I, I absolutely love that quote as well. I think oftentimes we tell guys like, step it up. Like, <laughs> so do the women. Step it up. <laughs> we both need to. No, it's true. Um, but really, you know, if, if we put the bar high as women, then there's really no option but to reach for that higher bar. And yep. I think Fulton Sheen just... Nails it when he talks about, I love that he says, the civilization, the history of civilization could actually be written in terms of the level of its women. He's going to be a saint. He's got to be with quotes like that. Okay, yes, so tell me, highlight. I want to highlight Endow here because it really does fit well with this quote. What is Endow that you, uh, your ministry you work for? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> so bet. That's what I said to every single person that came up at SLS. Like, do you know what Endow is? No. Well, thanks for asking. I'm <laughs> going to tell you. So Endow stands for Educating on the Nature and Dignity of Women. And uh, we just believe that we can actually change culture through women. So similar to what Archbishop Fulton Sheen said, just a little less eloquent. And so what we do is we provide small group material based on the magisterium of the church um, with a focus on the feminine genius. And so it started off with uh, John Paul II has this beautiful message on the feminine genius and how women really do add to society. And so many of us don't know it. You know, I could say over and over again, as Catholics, we need to know scripture and tradition, and most of the time we know neither. Hmm. And so what Endow does is we provide, we get um, 
the deposit of faith into the hands of women to come together to study in community and to apply to their lives. And so it starts with the feminine genius, but it doesn't end there. Uh, we also have, we have studies on papal writings based on God is love, on the Christian meaning of suffering, and also studies on the lives of saints such as um, Saint, uh, well, Edith Stein and Catherine of Siena, St. Teresa of Avila. So just these powerhouse Some people of my favorites. Yeah, who can really teach us how to live. And so that's really what we provide. Um, and if you're interested, you can go to www.endowgroups.org or follow us on Instagram at endowgroups. Um, but yeah, we just want women who are willing to lead that want to get women together and grow through this amazing deposit that we already have. That's fantastic. Yes, I did an endow group. I, like my first one was a long time ago, like right when I first got married because it was started here in Denver. Yep. And... I remember doing um, the letter to women, JP2's letter to women, which I think it's so sad because so many of us Catholic women don't know that there are specific letters and documents mm-hmm. written to us specifically. So it was really neat to get to study. It's a short letter, but we spent like six weeks on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to go into. That's mm-hmm. one thing. We're not worried about it being too short. <laughs> yeah, nope. So yeah, make sure to check that out in dowgroups.org. See if you have a group in your area already, or you can give Mallory a ring over at the endow office and she can help get one set up for you. I would love that. That would be awesome. All right, let's bring it back to Mardi Gras. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so when most people think of Mardi Gras, most people think of this carnival season, what comes to mind is um, inappropriate behavior, (laughs) beads, alcohol, bad stuff. So I want to hear a little bit, like, what are your memories of Mardi Gras? Oh, so um, I was telling Lisa on the way here, I was listening to Mardi Gras music, trying to pump myself up. Which cracks me up because I'm like, oh, there's Mardi Gras yeah, music? Yeah, and like, that's, that's normally the response I get. Normally, <laughs> oh, there's Mardi Gras music. And if you listen to it, you're going to be like, what is this? But being from the South and like being a true Cajun, we love our Mardi Gras music. Everybody knows the same stuff. Uh, so... As a kid, so I grew up in Houma, Louisiana, which is about 45 minutes south of New Orleans. There is a south, and it's basically the Gulf of Mexico, so I'm almost yeah. a mermaid, but that's where I grew up. And Mardi Gras there is just a little bit different than New Orleans. So New Orleans, it is everything you think it is. It is the inappropriate behavior, the alcohol, the beads, all of that. It's exhausting. Um, but in all of the small towns around New Orleans, Mardi Gras is still very much a family thing. And so... We probably have, I think we have the second biggest Mardi Gras after New Orleans. Whoa. Maybe rivaling Lafayette, but I'm going to take credit for it now because no one's here to tell me different. And we so we have, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 parades. And so basically before Mardi Gras, there's about three weeks to a month of parades. And every weekend, there are what we call Mardi Gras crews. And so, for example, my dad was part of the crew of Terranians. And so that rides on a certain day at a certain time. And everybody knows when that rides. And so him and, and every crew has a different theme, if that makes sense. Okay. So it could be um, movies, right? And you'll have like your little Lord of the Rings float and your, I don't know, your Rocky float. And um, just truth be told, we get floats from New Orleans. So they just get a bunch of floats and then decide a theme <laughs> uh, oh, from crazy. there. So, so every Friday night, 
every Saturday night, every Sunday afternoon, for the most part, three weeks before Mardi Gras, there's a parade. And so as a kid, did we you would go every single time? Like, no. Okay. <laughs> that's that's, a, too that's much. like nine parades. Like we would probably go to about five as a family. Oh, wow. And so it was, I mean, whenever, whenever carnival time comes, Mardi Gras, is like, it's just what, what you do. And so we would go with my parents and my brother. We'd go meet our family or go meet our friends. Typically we'd have food because that's what Louisiana people like to eat. And so we'd have um, a barbecue or just some Cajun food that somebody was cooking. You wait for the parade and then the parade comes, you catch a bunch of beads. And then when I was little, we just go home and count them. Like, I don't know what you actually do with beads. <laughs> yeah. So we just go home and count and see who caught the most and eat like the bad candy that they gave us. Uh, and so that was really my experience as a child on actual Mardi Gras. We would dress up. So it was similar to Halloween. Mm. I remember dressing up as Jasmine. You don't trick or treat, but okay. you get candy from the floats. You also get like, they, they throw a bunch of junk. So you get like fake roses or stuffed animals, things like that. So if you mm. get a bunch of those, those things, it's like better than just getting beads and people like the way they throw at you, it might be because they think you're cute or something like that. So they'll just throw you a teddy bear. So that was, that was basically my experience as a child. It was super fun. Um, Everybody comes out. Nobody really skips Mardi Gras, which is kind of cool because is the whole no town's out. I'm sorry? Is there no school that day? No school. No school, <laughs> at least for two days. And in college, if there's, no, if there's only one day, everybody makes it two. And so that was, um, that was as a child. And then when, as we got older, just like going towards uh, the tradition of Mardi Gras, if your parents are in a crew, then you can be a maid. Um, and so, huh. so I was a maid for a crew and uh, it's like all teenagers are the maids. And so it's very much like debutante, but you're like dressed up and you're presented. Mm -hmm. And then all the Dukes are the men of the crew. So they're older and they, they like, we would have the same theme. I was a flower. I don't remember what kind of flower, but then, so I got to be part of that. And then you get to be part of the balls as you get older, which is really the fun part where like you have the bands come, you're dancing, like that is also where more debauchery comes in, but it doesn't have to be that way. It was a blast. So the balls are, are those, do you, do you wear masks to the balls like in Louisiana? No, not really. Okay. The, the people in the crews wear the masks. Okay. So if it's a women's, like if it's a women's parade, they will have a ball and all the women on all the floats will come in dressed as they're going to, what they're going to wear the next day on the float. And they all have their masks on if that makes sense. Okay. So there's a ton. It's okay. It's a ton of tradition. So is, I'm assuming like your experience though was like mostly secular or was it like your parish that would get together to do this mm -mm. or was it it's just like, your no, town? it's secular. I mean, everybody in Louisiana is culturally Catholic for the most part. Mm. I had a friend say like, even the Satanists go to mass because there's nothing else to do because everybody's in mass. Gotcha. <laughs> but, but it was ma mainly secular. I will say that we would have parades in my elementary school, which was Catholic. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you do. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's neat. So really it's kind of a time of more like a family and community, like everybody getting together. Absolutely. It's, it's a blast. I highly recommend it for anybody who wants to go. It's so fun. That's awesome. Okay. This is a good segue here. Um, cause I want to talk a little bit about kind of the spiritual connections of carnival. Mm -hmm. So like, okay, we've established that yes, there's Catholic roots in mm -hmm. carnival mm -hmm. and in Mardi Gras. And that's where this sprang from. And if you really go back, I can't remember all the details, but there's some kind of a pagan root of something like with almost everything <laughs> that the Catholics baptized. Right. Well, absolutely. And especially yeah. in new Orleans. So yeah. Oh, well, I mean like way, way, way back. Oh, mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Before like the Catholic church, like pre-Catholic church oh, like, sure. in, in pagan times that they, they somehow there was probably, I, 
I, I read vaguely somewhere that there's some kind of a season or something, you know, and the Catholics took it and, and turned it. Just like we do with pretty much everything. Right. Like we baptize right. everything. Um, but yes, so there's there's Catholic roots, which now have kind of turned secular, which is like almost any holiday, Easter, Christmas, those things, they have their secular version as well. But it's good to understand. Okay, so there's Catholic roots in it, um, and there are certain places that still kind of retain these traditions and histories, um, but it's been turned secular, right? So what are the spiritual connections of Carnival? That's what I want to talk a lot about a little bit about here and there's actually some great quotes um so keeping in mind that before vatican ii pretty much there you know lent was much more strenuous and advent actually had some fasting that went with it and so most catholics would know and talk about carnal in this way so that's where these quotes come from so one is from a man by the name of joseph peeper and this was written in 1963 here and Pieper is also the author of a really great book called Leisure, the Basis of Culture. I think we've actually talked about it on the podcast mm-hmm. before. But this is in his book, In Tune with the World, A Theory of Festivity, <laughs> which sounds like an awesome book, too. And he says, Carnival remains festive only where Ash Wednesday still exists. To eliminate Ash Wednesday is to eliminate the carnival itself. And, and I love that because it's, it's, what he's trying to get out here is that like, Carnival has no purpose unless there's an Ash Wednesday. And so in the secular world, yes, we've, we've definitely lost the true purpose of Carnival and this whole season. Um, but the point of Carnival is it's leading us up to Ash Wednesday. It's, <laughs> it's our way of kind of making merry and preparing before we go into this low season in the church of fasting, of abstinence, of mm-hmm. slowing down, of um, being more contemplative. Um, and then the other quote that I want to share is from Maria von Trapp, which Yes, this is the Maria from The Sound of Music. I'm pretty sure we've talked about this book in the podcast before, too, but it comes from her book Around the Year with the Trap Family, which you can get for, like, $400 on Amazon. Really? Yeah, because it's out of print, um, which is kind of sad. But Maria von Trapp, she very much lived her liturgical year in her family, and maybe her library has it. It's a kind of a fun book to look at because it's so old. But so she talks about um, Carnival in her book here, and she's more like, Austria? Yeah. Austria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here we have, you know, Catholic tradition. So obviously here it is. She's from Austria. Carnival was a thing that was more celebrated at that time. So she says, Carnival is most obviously the season for parties and family get togethers. I love that. Obviously. <laughs> Carnival is most obviously the season for parties and family get togethers with the avowed intention of having that good time together. Carnival is the time to be social, to give and to receive invitations for special parties. It is a time to celebrate as a parish group. And I just, I love that, like picturing back when Carnival was in its like Catholic heyday, when Catholics actually celebrated this ordinary time season as, as this Carnival season, picturing families, you know, it's like that was the time. Like we did, they didn't have balls like they do now in Louisiana, mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Her suggestions are actually um, <laughs> different activities that her family enjoyed, such as folk dancing, Love it. Singing folk <laughs> songs <laughs> and playing games. So she's just suggesting like this is a time to have people over before we enter back into another low season. Mm-hmm. And while it's not a high season, right? It's not Easter time. It's not the Christmas octave. It's still a time of being social and a family time and getting together for special parties um, because it's obviously a season for parties and family get togethers as Maria Von Trapp tells us. So that's important. Was that kind of the feel that you got? as a kid? Yeah, I absolutely. It was, 
she says that and I'm laughing because it sounds so ordinary just to like folk dancing and folk singing. And I feel now that I'm no longer in Louisiana that the carnival season's so not ordinary mm-hmm. in, 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 in the best way, mm-hmm. right? Like I always get sad every year. It, this is actually is the saddest time for me to be away because you see everybody on Facebook who's celebrating. And on the day of Mardi Gras, like no one in Denver wants to do anything with me because it's just not the same. <laughs> You're like, listen to my Mardi Gras music. <laughs> right. And they seriously like, what is this? Like it's Cajun. Come on. It's, it's awesome. So, um, I do think of that. I just think of it in such a like purple, green, and gold kind of way. Like there's no other way to say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. All right. Well, it is time for us to wrap up here, but we've got a how-to challenge for you all. And the how-to challenge is to prepare to prepare for Lent, which is what carnival season is really about. Um, so we want to challenge you. I know it's a month away. But if you want to do Lent really well, you need to be thinking ahead already, thinking through, okay, what am I going to do for Lent? Because it's really easy to let it sneak up on you, and then Mm -hmm. you're like, I'll just give up chocolate again. But really to think to yourself, okay, what am I going to give up? And if it is something like, I'm going to give up Netflix. Okay, well then during carnival season, make sure to finish up that show that you really wanted to see. Or if you're going to give up um, desserts, well, okay, then make sure that you go out and get your favorite dessert before mm-hmm. Lent begins, which is kind of what you were sp- like kind of the spirit of carnival season really is, is that preparing to go enter into that season of Lent. And that's great. And if you are in Denver and you really want to celebrate carnival the right way, just call me, <laughs> come over and we'll make a king cake. <laughs> Love it. Oh, so good. We didn't even talk about the history of king cake. <laughs> There's so much, so much, so much to it. So do your research, look it up. I think it's just so important that we understand our Catholic liturgical year Mm -hmm. and really try to live that season that the church has called us to with the highs and the lows. So, okay. One last thing I want to let you all know about is that tonight, (laughs) this has been 12 months that we've been preparing for this moment tonight at seven o'clock mountain standard time, which is my time zone on Facebook live. My friend Leah Darrow and I have a huge announcement. And I cannot tell you what it is. I can just tell you that we've been working on it for a year. So this isn't just like something small. This is something big. So we're going to be on Facebook Live tonight at 7 o'clock. And then we're going to switch over to Instagram probably around 7.30 or so. So if you want to join us all to hear the big announcements, if you've been following on social media, we've been doing you know some countdown, kind of dropping hints about this. It is finally time. I'd love to see you there on the lives as we make our big announcement. Hold you in suspense until 7 o'clock tonight. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you for listening in. And Mallory, thank you for coming with baby Eliza. She's been so good. She's just been sucking on her pathy, (laughs) flailing her arm every so often. (laughs) I feel bad for this baby, but she has been great. Thanks for having me. She's been so great. (laughs) She's been so great. Well, if you want to find Mallory, you can find her on social media, on Instagram at Mallory A. Smythe. You can follow her there. You're also on Twitter, yeah? Yeah, Mallory A. Smythe. At both. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right, so... Check Miller out. We hope to see you at the Legacy Conferences. We'll be there hanging out. Love to meet you if you are there. Finally, if you want to connect with Kevin and I for this podcast, the How To Catholic Podcast, our email is hello at madetomagnify.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin R. Cotter or Lisa Ann Cotter. And with no E. As always, if you enjoy this show, please give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions, and tell a friend about it. This helps us. Get the word out about the Hatchie Gather podcast. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it. Mm-hmm.